You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. When building a house, it's important for a contractor to account for such things as the size of the room, whether the doorways are tall enough, and if there's space in the kitchen for a dishwasher. One thing most people don't think about, though, is how much weight the floors can handle. Put too many bookshelves on the second floor, and you're liable to wind up with a library in your living room. Perhaps the people of Erfurt, Germany, should have considered that as well. Erfurt can trace its roots all the way back to the Paleolithic era, around 100,000 years ago, but it wasn't formalized into an actual city until the 8th century. It was a popular destination during the Middle Ages, as it was located near a major river and was part of a cluster of towns involved in the lucrative woad plant trade. Erfurt may have come from humble beginnings, but its history would be forged in the fires of tragedy. During World War II, for example, it was the site of two dozen air raids, which killed over 1,600 people. The city has seen countless acts of war, violence, and loss. For some of the earliest evidence of its devastating past, though, look no further than the Church of St. Peter, which became the venue of a grisly and baffling tragedy in 1184. During the late 12th century, Erfurt was under the rule of King Henry VI, He was a powerful and influential leader who would go on to capture England's Richard the Lionheart and rule Sicily later in life. He also had to settle the occasional land dispute between German nobility and Roman Catholic leadership. Henry's cousin, Duke Ludwig III, had a bone to pick with a man named Conrad of Wittelsbach, who was the Archbishop of Mintz. They were on opposite sides, both philosophically and geographically. Conrad had started building a castle near Ludwig's borders, and Henry's cousin believed it to be a show of aggression. Except the only reason that Conrad had started building his castle in the first place was because he feared that Ludwig was planning to attack his territory. Regardless of who started it, King Henry had decided to finish it. He was on his way to Poland as part of a military campaign, and so he decided to stop in Erfurt to bring his territorial spat to an end. He chose St. Peter's Church as the location for the mediation. Being the oldest building in the city, the church was a prominent part of Erfurt's history, providing a serene and understated backdrop for the day's events. At least, that was the idea. On July 25th, nobles from both sides gathered in the church to support their leaders and to defend their position before the king. Ludwig, Conrad, and over a hundred interested parties were all ushered into the room where King Henry waited. Then Conrad and the king stepped into a private room to talk, after which Ludwig would get a similar opportunity. Now, while Conrad and Henry talked first, Ludwig waited with the rest of the crowd. 
people naturally split off into smaller groups, at which point a strange combination of factors all converged at once. The weight of the crowd combined with the rotting wooden beams beneath them resulted in a complete collapse of the floor. Almost everyone plunged straight down, into the latrines below the church, all of which fed into a cesspool that was filled to the brim with excrement. The king and Conrad managed to hold on to the frame of a nearby stained glass window until someone was able to get them down. Ludwig also survived, although no one is quite sure how. Meanwhile, over 60 of the noblemen lost their lives in the accident. Some died on impact, but most were believed to have drowned in the giant hole of liquid feces beneath the church. Today, it's known as the Erfurt Latrine Disaster, an important event in the city's history, and one with a pretty crappy ending. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Time is a luxury for us, especially if you're a mom. That's why we need a skincare routine that's easy, fast, and gives us results. Plus, what if your products had thousands of five-star reviews, were natural and affordable? Well, say hello to Dime Beauty. Dime Beauty is clean, high-end skincare that is affordable, and it really works. Not sure where to start? I highly recommend the Work System. It's everything you need in one powerful package. Take out the guesswork with a proven routine that includes a gentle yet effective cleanser, a super skin toner, two incredible serums, and two luxurious moisturizers. See what everyone is raving about. From serum sets to the always sold out retinol alternative TBT cream, you'll find your perfect skincare match. Dime has over 2 million happy customers, and their product reviews are literally five stars. Love your skin again. Go to dimebeautyco.com for 20% off with code GETDIME. That's dimebeautyco.com, code GETDIME for 20% off. Companies facing tough times often tend to pivot to stay afloat. A bookstore might sell coffee to bring in new customers, or a startup might change their business entirely if they find the competition too fierce. But it was tragedy that struck Carpenter Ole and forced him to change his business, one piece at a time. Ole had started a modest woodworking business in Denmark back in 1916. He did well for himself, selling everyday tools such as ladders and ironing boards, However, the small village he lived in was a little off the beaten path and didn't get electricity for some time. Without power, Ole often lit his workshop with lamps and kept warm during the winter months by lighting a stove or a fireplace. One day in 1924, while his sons were playing in the shop, they accidentally set fire to a pile of wood shavings. 
It set off a blaze that destroyed everything, including the building, even the raw wood and his finished products. But Ole persevered and rebuilt his workshop even better than before. Things ran smoothly for several years after that. It all seemed to come together. It seemed business might be looking up for him. Sadly, just as he was getting his head above water, the Wall Street crash of 1929 would pull him back under the waves. The Great Depression had found its way to his little town, and to make matters worse, his wife passed away a few years later in 1932. The carpenter and recent widower had a decision to make. Could he close his shop and walk away from his company, or maybe he could pivot and find a new way to bring in business? With young mouths to feed and a home to maintain, he stopped making ironing boards and ladders. He instead turned to cheap wooden items like toys. He made cars, airplanes, and animals, all handcrafted and all built to last. But that new venture didn't go too well either. In fact, his brothers promised to help him out of bankruptcy on the condition that he stopped making toys. But Ole just couldn't. He loved it too much. But after a while, business began to turn around. In fact, one of his most popular sellers was a wooden duck on wheels that would open and close its beak as it was pulled along by its string. When World War II arrived, it brought even more hardships to Ole's workshop. The first was a lack of natural materials to make his toys with. War efforts had rendered wood unavailable, which meant no more quacking ducks. And the other problem was a second fire, which had reduced his workshop to ash once again. But Ole did what he always did. He rebuilt it bigger and better than before, all with the help of his son, Gottfried. This time, though, it wouldn't be a woodworking shop. You see, a new technology had taken manufacturing by storm, and the one-time carpenter believed it was just the thing he needed to save his business. It was called plastic injection molding. With this new process, molten plastic was injected and pressed into a hardened mold to create specific shapes. He had seen the machine in action at a fair in Copenhagen, after a brief demonstration, the operator handed Ole the fruits of its labor, a small plastic object. It wasn't much, but the potential was clear. He brought one of the machines home and installed it in his factory, and then began popping out simple trinkets, like teddy bears and baby rattles. In fact, it was a toy tractor that really put the company on the map. For a while, at least. Business ebbed and flowed as one particular toy's popularity faded in favor of another, it was a lot for the company to stay on top of. But on a trip to England in the 1950s, his son Gottfried met the head of a major shopping center who explained a problem to him. Kids needed a system. Toys at the time didn't broaden a child's imagination. They were designed to be played with a certain way until the child grew bored and moved on to the next thing. And that's when Gottfried remembered that first plastic item his father had brought home from the fair that day. And with a little tweaking, that humble toy company developed their first big hit. It was, as the stranger has suggested, a system. One that allowed children to make whatever they wanted. Houses, rocket ships, airplanes, all simply by combining the similar pieces to one another. And kids never grew bored with it. Over the years, the shape was modified to include an interlocking tube system so that they would hold together better. And from there, the company skyrocketed. Their system of play has grown over the decades into an empire of TV shows, movies, and video games, as well as an endless library of physical playsets featuring popular characters from every facet of pop culture. But it all started with a simple plastic toy, and an even simpler company motto, 
Translated into English, the Danish phrase meant play well. But Ole Kirk Christensen thought it might work as his company name too. So he combined the words into one, and in doing so, built one of the largest toy companies in the world, one brick at a time. Its name? Lego. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.